0: See everyone this morning. Glad you're here. Hello and goodbye. Right. We've been working through um, some basics. I just felt like we needed to get back to some basics. Started teaching about prayer, the most basic thing, how to pray. And we spent time teaching about fasting, and we all went on a, a extended fast over the new year. That was life for me, and life for a lot of people. I'm grateful for that. And we spent some time just the basics of just reading the Bible and getting back to the Bible. And we spent uh, one Sunday just talking about biblical meditation, just how to, how to put it away, how to uh, make movies in our hearts concerning God's word. And that's where the success is. And so I thought I'd just keep going in that vein and uh, share this week. And then when I get back, we'll go, go to work on the last piece of this. There are five basic disciplines in the christian life these are not commandments these are disciplines these are things you get to do the first one of course we talk about prayer and then fasting biblical meditation on god's word uh giving as a discipline and uh this has been an amazing thing to see the amount of giving that's happened. Every day, every day I get a report of something else that has come our way. A dishwasher just was given to the DH that's going to make people who do parties there a lot happier. Uh, just, just giving on so many levels. And so it's just wonderful to see um, without putting pressure on people, just people out of the volition of their own heart loving to give. And, and the fifth discipline is probably the hardest and probably the one, the most, maybe the most important, in one sense, that if, if you don't do the fifth one, you'll have a harder time doing the other four. The other four will be like tough sledding. It'd be hard to do. If you get the fifth one down, the other four just become a lot easier. And the, the fifth one, any guesses on what the fifth discipline would be? It's not a commandment, it's a discipline for us as New, New Testament believers. Steve, you got an idea what it is? Look, you look like you were going to put your hand up. It wasn't. You were scratching your beard. Anyone else? Fifth one. Turn to Exodus chapter 20. Let's go to work there. I discovered this discipline really by accident. I wasn't looking for it. I never heard a sermon about it. I had no clue I was a pastor of my first church. I was about six months into my, my first uh, pastorate. I went home for lunch, went back to my desk at my office on a Monday morning, crisp fall Monday morning. And I sat at my desk, and I began to shuffle paper around. And I, and I, I, I was there. I don't even know how long I was there, maybe a half hour. And, and I realized I hadn't accomplished a single thing. All I had done was move things from one pile to another pile to another pile. I had so much work to do, I didn't accomplish anything. And, and I found that I was just wound right up. I was just bouncing in my seat. I was uh, full of stress and anxiety. And uh, had just come from lunch, but that didn't seem to solve anything. And and when I I appraised what was going on inside of me, I just felt like I was just just wound up. And I'm just moving papers around in a pile and not getting anything done. When I saw my condition, I, I put my head down on my desk and I said, Jesus, help me. I don't know what's wrong. I don't know what's going on inside of me. It was a new sensation for me. And when I put my head down and I prayed and I said, help me, I felt Jesus speaking to me saying, go home. I just come from home. He said, go home to bed. Now, I have a pretty strong work ethic, the idea of going home in the middle of the day and going home to bed. Heather was at the house. I couldn't explain it to her. I didn't want her to even see me. Uh, but I felt like Jesus was speaking to me. I went home, and uh, uh, I just felt like uh, a naughty boy. Uh, get, in fact, I even got my kept my clothes on just in case... It just felt so unnatural and I just I got in bed and I had no idea why I'd just been sent home to bed and uh and then Heather walked in the bedroom and caught me in the middle of the day laying in the bed with my clothes on and she said what's what's wrong what's what are you doing here and I said the Lord sent me home to go to bed and she just rolled her eyeballs and and left the room I couldn't imagine the Lord saying anything like that. I knew he had spoken to me. I didn't know what was gonna happen next. I didn't know if I was in trouble. I didn't know what the remedies were for my condition. And I laid there and my mind was racing, my heart was racing, I was full of stress, full of anxiety, all wound up. And as I laid there for an hour or so, without hearing anything more, no more instruction or direction, all I could do is just breathe a prayer. God, help me. Figure me out. Help me to understand what's happening to me. And, and I felt led to take my Bible, and I opened it to Exodus chapter 20, right where you, I had you turn here just now. And if you look at beginning of verse 8, my eyes fell on this verse. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall work. And do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor the strangers who are within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that uh, is in them and rested the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the seventh day and hallowed it. Now, I knew that was in the Bible. I'd read that before. I never read it concerning me, never applied it to my life. It, there's no revelation attached to it. And even when I read it, I had no idea what the Lord was saying. And so, again, you pray your way through the Bible, and, and now I feel like the Lord's leading me. I feel there's something in this section of Scripture, but I don't know what it is. So I just said, Lord, teach me. Help me to understand. Help me to understand what this is. And the Lord showed me that, that uh, right away that the reason we need to take a Sabbath, the reason we need to rest, is because he did. God rested. God's a spiritual being, creative, inventing creating whole worlds for six days all through meditation, all through the power of meditation. Then he spoke the word of God. John had a revelation that without the word, nothing was created, that Jesus was the word, that he spoke the word. That's why we need to associate with the word, why we need to go deep in the word. So God meditated, creating ecosystems and and cause and effect and uh, that a whole forest could come out of a little nut and, and a little seed, uh, just powerful things that he meditated on, and then he spoke it into being, spoke it into existence. And he did that for six days. And now this is God Almighty, and he's not faking it and he's not doing it as an object lesson. He did it because he needed to. He rested. So he took a day and said, this day will be different than all the other days. That's what the word holy means. Holy means to be different. When it calls us to be, as as holy people, we have to be different. Anything that is made holy is different than anything else. And he said, there has to be a day that's different than the other days. One day that's different than the six. And God did that. and, And that... That spoke to me. I never had that thought cross my mind before that God needed to. And, 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 There's no condemnation as I laid in the bed, not an ounce of condemnation, just an invitation to become like him, just an invitation to explore what it would be to stop all my busyness, stop all my work, because I I would, you know, Saturday be a busy day, and Sunday would be the busiest day of my work week, and I was a young pastor. Before this, I just did what everyone else did. I took Sunday as a day off. I even called it a day off. And now that I'm a pastor, that was my work day. I had morning meetings, night meetings, preparation, all kinds of visitation, people over for lunch, all kinds of stuff. And then I found myself at my desk Monday morning, per usual, because that's what you do. You get up on Monday morning, you go to work. And it was Monday morning, that, after about six months of that, that I crashed. And the crash had been building, and the pressure had been building, and the stress had been building. I never really monitored it. I just thought somehow it'll go away. Some might, maybe some vacation will come along and, and deal with that. And it didn't. Now I'm intrigued. I'm laying on my bed, and God's speaking to me about a Sabbath day. I've never heard a sermon about the Sabbath day. I never heard, I mean, I knew that there are people who were very legalistically taking a Sabbath day that they wouldn't let their kids even do jigsaw puzzles on the Sabbath day. They couldn't play a, a penny whistle. They couldn't watch television. They couldn't listen to the radio. It was like this a uh, day of dread for a lot of people of my generation and beyond. It wasn't a nice day. It wasn't a, a, a something you would look forward to. This here was presenting it entirely different. I was hearing it from the Lord saying, I'm inviting you to come in on this. This is something that I created. This is something that I required. I want you to be like me. I want you to do what I did for the reasons I did it. And I realized most of my ministry, most of my work is talking. God was speaking, and then he stopped speaking. And I I didn't know this then, but he was going to take me through a process where I just stopped speaking and I found that it rejuvenated my batteries faster than anything. And creativity, the more I took time just to stop and treat it as a different day and not do what I would normally do, my creativity came back. It flourished again. I had ideas, I had solutions. At my fingertips that I were were evading me before, I could hear easily from God because I was rested. First, not a physical rest; it was a spiritual rest. I, I'm a three-part being. I'm a spirit man who lives, has a soul, and lives in a body. He wasn't just wanting me to get physical rest; he wanted me to get spiritual rest. Stop the world and get off. Unplug. This is before the internet. This is before phones. Our stress level has gone so far beyond anything of 1985, where we had three channels on our television back in in our house. I didn't know how to rest. I didn't know how to obey this. I didn't know how to apply this. And I said, help me. I I don't even know where to begin. And I just... uh, just thought, I'm gonna just take Mondays. I felt permission from him. It didn't have to be a particular day. It didn't have to be Saturday. It didn't have to be Sunday. It didn't have to be, it could be, as long as it was one and seven, I could take any day. I chose Monday, just, just at random. I said, I'm gonna take Monday, and that's gonna be a different kind of day. Uh, my wife was curious about the whole thing, but she was not really a fan of this whole thing because it, it just looked so different. Uh, come Monday, I would just rest in. That's not normal for me. I'm up and at them and up and at them early and, and just to lay still and force myself. And then every, everybody who came to church uh, that's, that Monday morning would come visit me in my head. And everybody who was skipping church or away from church came and visited my head. And every, everybody who was in trouble that I heard about their troubles. So Monday, I, half the day, I was just spent just fighting what was going on in my head. A slow motion day. You know, I just get up and make an omelet. The only way to make a good omelet is it has to be diced. Every every little piece has to be diced. Then you cook the eggs real slow. It was just I was just trying to figure out how can I slow down? How can I slow down my day? Slow down my thinking, and get the monkey off my back. All the stress, all the all the all the stuff that I carry. But I was on to something. I knew God was speaking. I didn't know. I didn't know then, what I know now that he was about to change my life. And one of the best things that he ever taught me was to take a Sabbath. It changed. It changed everything. He was after longevity. He wanted fruitfulness. He wanted me to be able to go the distance. I work harder than anybody that I know on so many levels but the way that I can accomplish so much and do so much is that I've, I've learned this rhythm of rest. And it came back, came out of this verse. Treat it differently, do the day differently. And he's saying that uh, uh, not, to, not to use your equipment, so to speak, he's talking about your livestock. I watch farmers around me who would rest their tractors and rest their fields and let things go fallow and. They saw something. They were trying to honor God's word. I think there's something to it. Then this whole thing came to me. How am I going to explain this to anybody? Because this is like an Old Testament commandment. This is one of the Ten Commandments. How does that jibe with New Testament theology? And I I said, Lord, is this in the New Testament? And and right away, the Lord just showed me that he said of himself in um, Mark... uh, Well, he said two things. Mark chapter 2, verse 27 and 28. He said, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So this is Jesus' theology was the Sabbath was made for you. Not the other way around. God made the Sabbath. This is Jesus saying that God made the Sabbath for you. Then he referred to himself as the Lord of the Sabbath, I wanted to obey Jesus. I wanted him to be Lord of my life. We, we had a whole series recently. We taught about lordship, him being the king of our hearts. Well, I wanted Jesus to be king. Well, he would never burn me out. He'd never just use me. I heard of one pastor saying, God just, he just takes us like a can of Pepsi, just drinks us down and squeezes the can. And I'm thinking, not my God, not Jesus. He'll never burn you out. If you're burning out something else is lord not jesus maybe the dollar maybe some taskmaster maybe some idea of success maybe some something else some 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 reputation some image of man some uh some kind of masters at work inside of you but it's not jesus if jesus is lord he's lord of the sabbath he's gonna rest you he's gonna he's gonna use you in a measured way jesus when you go through the four gospels was really busy and then they couldn't find him. he's going from place to place he's being pulled from one need to another one condition to another then they look for him they can't find him he's just taking time aside to be with his father And then he would invite them. They'd come off a mission trip. And they told him everything that had just happened on the mission trip. It was busy. It was crazy and all kinds of things. Demons were being cast out. People were being healed. And Jesus said, wonderful. Now come aside to a desert place, a deserted place. Come aside because there wasn't any place for any leisure. I thought leisure was a bad word. And this is Jesus using the word leisure, saying, come aside Come aside, there's a, there's a place for you for some leisure. He said they didn't even have time to eat. He said, just come a time, just come aside and have a have a nap, have some leisure, have some food. It doesn't sound like Jesus, but it is. Jesus would prescribe a snack and a nap on a Monday or whatever your day is. And, and he, would, he would prescribe this because he's after something. Somehow we think that all all that is, is off-limits or, or unspiritual. Actually, it's where you'll find your life. The Sabbath day, for half of it for me, is a war in my head of undoing and getting things off and writing. I'll just take some of the time and I'll keep a tablet with me and I'll write out everything I have to do and everything that comes to my mind that... I'm a super responsible person, and so unless I write, once I write it down, it's off my heart. I'm free from it. and I'll just have to do that part of the, part of the morning because it's a battle for me. Then, partway through the day, I start to enter into a rest where I'm feeling rested. And my rest is from the inside out, not physical rest first. I need spiritual rest. Exposing my heart to the Word of God, not to look for sermon material just to let them feed me. And I'll pick up a different translation, one that I don't normally read out of, a Bible that I don't normally read, and I'll, or I'll listen to it these days. I'll just listen to whole, whole sections of it on my phone, just to expose my heart to the Word of God, just to build myself up, find some place just to get away and stop, do some hammock time. And I thought, what if someone sees me I remember going through that period where, uh, what if someone finds me? They'll think I'm lazy. They'll think think I'm just, this is what pastors do. They just lay around. I had to work it out. What Jesus thought of me had to become more important than what anyone else thought of me. I wanted him to become Lord of my life. The thing that cinched it for me was uh, I I practiced this without telling anybody. I did it for maybe two months where I was just trying to work it out, work it out theologically, work it out experientially and trying to practice it. And uh, uh, finally, I taught it to my congregation for the first time. I told them this, what I've told you this morning, what God had done. And I said, "Would would you just not call me on Monday? Would you just not... Bother me on money? Can you just give me a little space? And they said, yeah, we'll do that. We'll, we'll provide space for you. We'll just, we'll, and then they, they said, we'll guard your rest. And so every now and again, someone would come out and say, Pastor, are you getting your rest? Are you getting away? Are you taking your time uh, off to be with the Lord? And I thought that was great. And I was trying to get them to enter into it as well, but they, were, they turned it around on me and were holding me accountable. So my church got on board with it, and we started resting everything. We started resting every program. We had a wonderful small group program. We decided we'd have six weeks of small group, and the seventh week we'll just take off. No one has to be involved. Just stay home, just rest. Because it was such a good thing, we wanted it to have longevity. And we just rested everything. We had a dynamic kids program, and we just said, okay, this week there's nothing on. Just stay home. Just relax. Just relax. Just be home. Well, we went on the strength of that like 20-some years because it had longevity. It had life in it. We never lost a life. And I think the life came out of finding the rhythm where once people leave something, it's really hard for them to get back in. But if we actually tell them to take the time off, it's different. We rested our small group programs. We rested everything. I think the thing that cinched it for me was a couple months into it, I went to a pastors' meeting. Every month, we had a local pastors' meeting. Every denomination was represented. I was the new kid on new kid in town, the new kid on the block, and uh, all these seasoned pastors. And you know, I'm just this, just 26 years old, 27 years old, young guy, and uh, first time pastor. I don't know anything. I'm new in town. I don't know. I don't know the whole religious scene. I don't know any of that. And. Um, our church hosted one of those meetings and everyone's standing there with their coffee and, and, and I'm just kind of going around listening and meeting people and observing. And one guy, he's talking about having open heart surgery. The other guy's talking about other health issues that is broken. There wasn't one of them that I would ever want to have come to my church to preach because they didn't have any spiritual life. There's no dy- no sense of uh, any dynamic, no sense of any kind of uh, passion for the Lord. They were just a group of tired old men. That's how it looked like to me. And they're all talking about their health ailments. They're talking about uh, all the strain that's going on and how stressful the ministry is. And they're uh, drinking uh, all the coffee, you know, just trying to trying to find a a. a a a chemical solution for a spiritual problem, keep themselves propped up with caffeine. I took it for so long, and finally I I broke protocol, and I spoke out, and I said, hey, fellas, is there anyone here that takes a Sabbath? And they looked at me like I just swore, like I just swore in the room, Like, like, are you crazy? Take a Sabbath. Of course, everyone takes Sunday. That's the day that's different, but that's, that's our busiest work day. Everything builds for us to Sunday. But they looked at me like I, I had two heads, like I just said something just totally ludicrous. And I said, Father, I see it now. <laughs> I just don't want to become like them. I want to have life. I want to have longevity. I want fruitfulness. I want to have something to give away. And so I redoubled my efforts. I started studying. I started asking other people, what do you do for a Sabbath? Well, Sabbath, what are you talking about? Well, do you take a Sabbath? Well, well that's Old Testament. That's, that's, legal, that's legalism kind of stuff. No, 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 it's in the Bible. I finally, after maybe six years, I met one guy who honored a Sabbath and took time off and, and would uh, uh, get into a pattern of taking three months and get away and, and, and completely be renewed. and we've, We tapped into something. We tapped into something wonderful. In the Old Testament, if you go with me to Isaiah 58, what had happened was God intended the Sabbath to be this beautiful experience, this gift to his people, something that no other nation around them had, uh, they're the only people in the world, and I'll be in India next week. They don't have a Sabbath. They don't have, a, they don't have any concept of that. They just work uh, seven days a week, and, and they'll work all day and then go home, and you'll see them. You can look through their houses because there's no windows and often no doors, and you'll see them sitting around their tables at night with coal oil lamps, sewing And running their sewing machine or doing some other kind of home industry. They just work, 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 work. And it doesn't produce anything. And, And Israel had gotten off track where they were keeping the Sabbath, even to the point they'd kill you if you didn't keep the Sabbath. They were keeping it, but it had become this legal a legalistic kind of awful kind of dreadful kind of thing that if if you just if you carried something, you could write a letter, but as long as you didn't use your right hand and you wrote the letter with your left hand, that was okay. You could carry something on your foot and hop across the kitchen floor as long as you didn't carry it with your hands there's all kinds of crazy rules and legalistic uh, All kinds of things added to it, the men added to it. Uh, You could only walk so far on the Sabbath day. So some people would would tack a string to the side of their house and put it to the house next door. That was an extension of their house so they could walk a little further than just the three-quarters of a mile or whatever it was. You could only walk away from your house. So men wrecked it. They turned it into something that God never intended it. Kids grew up hating it. (laughs) It was an inconvenience, an inconvenience for business, an inconvenience for life. And so this is Isaiah. This is quite a ways out from Exodus. But look at Isaiah chapter 58. And the Lord's reiterating something now. Listen for the heart of God here. Verse uh, 13. If you turn away your foot from the Sabbath... From doing your pleasure on my holy day. And call the Sabbath a delight. The holy day of the Lord, honorable. And shall honor him, not doing your own ways, nor finding your own pleasures, nor speaking your own words. Then you shall delight yourself in the Lord. And I will cause you to ride on the high hills of the earth, and I'll feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. I don't know what the high hills are. I'm not even sure what the heritage of Jacob is, but I want it. I want whatever God's promising here. He said you have to change how you approach this whole thing. It can't be this dread. It can't be a list of rules, of, of do nots. It can't be that. It has to be delight. There's different levels of pleasure. All through the Bible, it talks about pleasures and, and different levels. The highest level of pleasure is called delight. He said, why don't you call the Sabbath a delight, and then you'll delight yourself in the Lord. It'll lead to something. Why don't you do it out of honor as a way to honor? doesn't matter who's looking. You just say, I'm going to honor the Lord. I'm going to do this because he did it. I'm going to do it because he requires it, because he knows what's best for us. Not because I have to, because I I get to. I get to take a Sabbath. I get to to have a day where I'm I'm not tallying my books and I'm not going through my business uh, schedule and I'm not thinking ahead and planning and trying to solve my problems. I'm going to take a day where I, I stop all that stuff. It's going to be different than any other day. I'm not even going to take uh, this day to argue things out and solve all. I'm not going to even speak my own words and 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 uh, make issue with things and fight and be negative. And I'm not even going to do that. I'm going to have a rest from negativity. I'm just going to say no to it. One family, one family caught this concept and they said, um, we've declared that Sunday is a no criticism day. No negativity, no, re- no arguing, no backbiting, no, you can't say anything negative to your siblings. Can you imagine a day, you know, you got six kids in the house and you say, okay, you can't say anything negative. We're taking a break from that. This day is different. No fighting, no arguing, no, no, no criticism, nothing. And so the kids caught the spirit of it, and they started doing that. You know what they found out? Every kid in the neighborhood wanted to hang out at their house on Sunday. And they said, it just feels different here. It's just where they wanted to be. All the neighborhood kids gravitated to that house because it was a no-negativity zone for a whole day. Well, what happens is when you get in the discipline and you, you tap into that, That affects your Monday, your Tuesday, your Wednesday. By Wednesday, you're starting to look forward to the Sabbath again. So you keep that. It adds discipline to your life that nothing else will. It makes fasting easier. makes prayer easier. makes exposing your heart to the Word of God easier because you found this major discipline you've tapped into. You can rest from business. You can rest your business. There's things you can do that will add life to your life. I know this. You can tap into a Sabbath that no vacation can touch. No massage can go deep enough to really take out the knots that are in your system. But if you start and you say, I'm taking a day, I'm taking, Sunday is going to be different. I'm going to, first of all, I'm going to put the Lord first. I'm going to worship him. I'm going to gather together. I'm going to expose my heart to the word of God. Uh, I'm going to prepare ahead of time so I don't have to do a bunch of cooking. I don't have to do all that. I'll prepare ahead of time. Hebrews 4.11 says you have to labor to enter into rest. Sometimes that means you have to prepare in advance and say, that's my day, so therefore uh, I'm not going to be doing that, so I have to work a little harder to get to that place where you can labor. You labor to enter into rest. But it's not the time to do your books. It's not the time to do your bookkeeping and become stressful about the bottom, bottom dollar, the... Uh, Bottom line, it's not a day to solve your problems. It's not a day to lay on the bed and argue with your wife and try to solve the household problems. Just say, that'll that'll have to wait. Today is a day that we just rest. In the Jewish community, oftentimes what would happen is the, the father would get up and the mom had prepared ahead of time a special meal, and so they have food that's different than any other day. It's, it's food that's just for that day. And then the dad gets up, and he goes around the table, and he lays hands on each one of his kids and pronounces a blessing, saying good, speaking good things over them, reminding them of what, what's in them and their potential. And, boy, you can't do that. You can't do that and not have life. You can't do that. Imagine your kids hearing every week, Dad's blessing. Dad praying, praying aloud. Bring your wife close to her. I'll tell you what Heather loves. It's one thing for her to hear me pray. It's another thing that for me to pull her close to To me, And I'll pray in her ear all the things that I love about her and all the things that I see and all the things that I I admire and I respect and all the things that I want God to do in her. And you can't do that. You can't do that and not feel beloved and feel valued and feel cherished. It just has to be a different kind of day where we break our patterns of what we normally do. That will carry over into the week. That'll carry over. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday is going to look different because Sunday was different. And if Sunday is a work day for you, some people have to do that. If that's what it is for you, find another day. I experimented with this in those early days because there was no book. I didn't have a pastor I could go to. I didn't have anybody that I could talk to about this because no one knew. I didn't know anybody who knew. And so I would I would uh, work for four days and one take one day off, and it just didn't that didn't satisfy. I worked one time for nine days and then took one day off. That didn't work. There's something about one and seven. There's something about us, the way we're made, that really it is one and seven. That's as far out as you can go. Seven, taking six days where you're working, and that seventh day, you have to find a rhythm. You have to find a way to do it. It's not a day to start cleaning the house. It's not a day to do spring cleaning. Find some way to do something that's different. I'm not saying you have to lay on the couch. I'm not saying that you have to find just all your time in the hammock reading a book. There's other things you can do, things you don't normally do, and just treat it differently. What the New Testament doesn't do, it doesn't tell you how. It doesn't tell you what to do. That comes out of your relationship with him as Lord. That's where you have to find that. You have to find out through relationship. There's not a whole list of rules and do's and don'ts in the New Testament. It says, don't do this on the Sabbath. Don't. It doesn't say anything about that. And neither can I. I can't lay down a bunch of rules on you any more than I can on me. I can't put condemnation on you or condemnation on me. And there's times... There's times just uh, tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow I'll be traveling. I'll be flying. Uh, there's stress that goes through all the all the airports and everything that's going on with that. But I gotta find a zone. I gotta find this place where I just I don't write. I don't do the things that normally would be considered work. I have to find a way to do that. Amen. A Sabbath will never be convenient if you wait for. A nice time for it to happen, it won't happen. You have to take it, you have to seize it, you have to commit to it on the front end, and then it'll fall into place. He says, he says, if you do this, you'll be able to ride the high hills. I don't know exactly what that looks like. <clears throat> I'm not sure how to interpret that. But I do remember this. <clears throat> Excuse me. Forget what year it was. But- it was uh, in the early 80s, and a movie came out. And the movie was a low-budget movie with no prominent actors. No one knew anyone who was in the movie. And it swept the Oscars that year, won eight Academy Awards, just cleaned the house. It was a low-budget, no, no nothing. No one was expecting anything to come out of this movie. Made in England. The movie was about a young guy who loved to run. And he said, When I run, I feel his pleasure upon me. And his family were staunch evangelical Christians working in China as missionaries. And the son had all the calling of God on him to be a missionary, but instead, he loved to run. And he'd be the fastest young man in Scotland. And because of that, pressure came upon him to join the Olympics, uh, to get ready for, I think it was like about the 1910 Olympics in France. And and his family are saying, give that up, son. Come work with us. We need your help in, in our mission in China. He said, but I feel his pleasure. Like, why would I feel his pleasure upon me? Except he—he's made me fast. He's made me fast. I—I—I—I I, I, I can run. And this is at a time when churches were filled up mostly with women. Very few people had faith. Very few men had. It wasn't masculine. Christianity wasn't viewed as a masculine thing. And this guy was masculine, and yet a devout Christian. Yet he's the fastest man in Scotland. And he just kept running and running and he qualified for the Olympics and next thing you know he's on a ship going across the, going across the strait to to France and on the ship he finds out that the race that he had been prepared for which was the 100 meter race he found out that it fell on Sunday it fell on the Sabbath day and he went to his coach he said hey, there's a this is something wrong here. I, I can't run on this day. He said, you have to. He said, I can't. For him, it was an honor. For him, it, was a, it wasn't it was a legalistic thing. It was a way to honor God. He said, no, no, you don't understand. I can't run. It's a Sabbath day. When his teammates found out about it, his, his name was Mud. They just thought he was just strange. Why wouldn't you hear it's the honor of a lifetime to run in the Olympics and here you are bailing on us. You're, you're not holding up your end. We want, a, a gold, we want to bring back gold medals and you're not holding up your end. You're the fastest man in Scotland here you are bailing on us. In fact, headlines in the newspaper called him a traitor. So there's all this public pressure, all his team pressure and then the Prince of Wales comes up to him, squeezes his elbow and says, you know, it would honor the Honor the king, you can honor the Lord, you can honor everything by running on the Sabbath day. He said, I can't, you don't understand. Finally, his coach said, let's not put any more pressure on him. What if what makes him fast is the way he honors the Lord? What if, that's, what if we, he violates that and he can't perform and do anything? He tapped into something, something inside of us that makes us run, that makes us go the distance. There's something honorable about this. So he didn't run. Someone else ran and took his place. And it came up that he could run the 400 meter. He hadn't prepared for that. He had not tried for that. He had not disciplined himself for that. But an opportunity came that said, you can run this race. And so here he is. He's getting ready. He's got his trowel. He's opening up the ground to get a starting block in place. And someone came up to him and handed him a little piece of paper and handed it to him. And he opened it up, and and it says, it says in the old book, he that honors me will I honor. Well, he ran. He not only won the 400, he broke the world record for the 400. He became the biggest celebrity of that Olympic Everyone knew the day that he headed off to China to become a missionary. Every boy had a comic book written about him. Everybody, and, and they honored him for honoring God, for keeping the Sabbath. I think there's something about riding on the high places. There's something about you, you do this and watch and see what God will do. Eric Liddell is his name. He died on the mission field in China. His wife lived in Toronto. She was a widow there. And uh, never remarried. Kids grew up to know the Lord. Comic books, books written about him. And then a movie, years after he was dead, a movie's made about him. And that movie just swept all the Academy Awards. It's honor upon honor upon honor upon honor. Honor that doesn't quit. We're talking about Eric Liddell honoring the Lord in Penyan, New York on a Sunday morning. Because he chose to honor God by keeping one Sabbath day. There's something to it. I can't watch. I can't observe. I can't keep tabs on you. I, can, I need to keep my own discipline. I need to keep my own heart. I can't keep yours as well. But I'd like to lay out in front of you today a challenge. Go to the Lord. Go to the Lord of the Sabbaths and say, how can I make this work? How can I, How can I fit my life around this? How can I build this into my life that changes my spiritual temperature, that regularly offloads the stress of my life, the anxiety of my life, the negativity that I swim in? There has to be a way. Moms and dads, there has to be a way for you to create vision in your kids' life that they long for it, that they look forward to it, because it's a day like no other day. It's a special day. It's a holy day. It's a high and holy day that honors the Lord, and only you can create that vision for your kids. Don't make it a negativity that they can't do certain things that they, they, that they after a while they just resent that day. We built it wrong. We built it wrong for the longest time. It has to be a delight, first in us, and then it'll be a delight for them. Amen. Let's stand together.